Welcome to the Lexington Public Library's Tales from the Kentucky Room podcast, where we discuss everything Lexington and Fayette County history. I'm Miriam, and in each episode of this podcast, we will feature a guest that will share a piece of local history. So thank you for tuning in and enjoy. Good day, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. So today's podcast, um, we are chatting with Dr. Jonathan Coleman. He is the curator over at the Mary Todd Lincoln House. Dr. Coleman earned his PhD in history at the University of Kentucky in 2014. He is responsible for the maintenance and care of several Kentucky Mansions Preservations Foundation properties and collections. He joined the staff at the Mary Todd Lincoln House part-time in 2009. He became the full-time curator in 2016. So welcome, Dr. Coleman. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So Mary Todd Lincoln, as the curator of the house, what do you want to share with as people come visit the house? Oh, that's a big question. What do I want to share? (laughs) Mary Todd Lincoln is one of these great examples. She shows up in pop culture continually. You don't notice it until you start looking for (laughs) it. She's everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Much like her husband. Oh, yeah. Um, So what was her And her perception is... Always negative. You know, she's crazy. She's a shrew. Yeah. Uh, she's an albatross around the neck of Lincoln. Uh, it's not a <laughs> not coincidence <positive>. that <laughs> a recently curated exhibit called her the first lady of controversy. Yeah. And what makes that such a great thing for us, it makes for a great story. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more complicated. It's a lot more complex yeah. than what people realize. Okay. And... And that makes a visit to the Mary Todd Lincoln House a really fascinating one because you get to delve in deeper mm-hmm. to this figure you know of, yeah. but you don't really know. Yeah. And she had such an important part in um, Abraham Lincoln's story and his history. And so that think that's another part of why people are so fascinated with her. And it was right. such a, you know, turbulent time for our, for our country. And mm-hmm. so what was her, her family life like? Well, she was born here in Lexington in 1818, 200 years ago this year. It's a big year for us, the Bicentennial. Uh, And she was born into a wealthy, well-connected political family. And so she was privileged. Uh, She was well-educated. She went to school for at least 10 years, maybe as many as 12, almost Mm -hmm. unheard of for a woman's education in her day. Interestingly enough, her grandfather, when he died, they did an estate inventory, including all of his books. And he had books like Mary Wollstonecraft's Vindication of the Rights of Women, sort of the first feminist (laughs) text in English. And and that's being read here in Lexington, you know, by Mary's family. I think it says a lot about the Todds. So she's well-educated. Her father owns several businesses, including Mm -hmm. a large cotton mill. He's a politician who goes around the country stumping for Henry Clay. Mm -hmm. They entertain important people in their home. And it's a totally different story than that of her future husband. Yeah. Of course, Lincoln was born here. Mm -hmm. Lincoln born here in Kentucky about an hour and a half away. But any home he would have lived in growing up would have been able to fit inside the dining room of Mary's house. Yeah. And even a larger difference, the Todds lived a privileged lifestyle, Mm -hmm. but that was all based upon the work of enslaved black Kentuckians. The Todds were enslavers. So when Abraham Lincoln visited the Todd house, uh, as he did several times over his life, 
Uh, he would have been waited on by people enslaved by his in-laws. Yeah. Her young life was very privileged. It and, was, and yeah. how, how did they meet? How did Abraham Lincoln and Mary Todd Lincoln meet? Well, they met through a helpful sister. Okay. Uh, the eldest of the Todd kids, her name was Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. And she meets a lawyer here in town, well, a law student. His name was Ninian Edwards. He's going to Transylvania. Uh, they get married, and then they move to Springfield, Illinois. Okay. Uh, Ninian's father had been the governor of Illinois. Okay. So Elizabeth sets up her household there in Springfield. She gets lonely, apparently, <laughs> and she calls for Francis. That's the next Todd girl okay. to come up and visit. Francis meets a doctor. She marries him. She settles in Springfield. Elizabeth's guest room is empty. She calls for Mary. (laughs) Uh, And Mary goes up to visit in the summer of 1839. Uh, They apparently met at a dance in Springfield. Mary later recalled that Lincoln's first words to her were, Miss Todd, I would like to dance with you in the worst way. And Mary said that's what he did. Apparently, she did not find him to be a very good dancer. Uh, And so they're married there in the home of Elizabeth in Springfield. And after they move out, Elizabeth calls for Anne, the next Todd girl. Oh, goodness. So Elizabeth was uh, quite the matchmaker. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a way to do it. There was no social <laughs> social media. <laughs> exactly. Elizabeth was marrying off her sisters yeah. one by one. That's how yeah. it was done back then. That's how it was done. So um, what was married life like for, for Mary and, and Abraham Lincoln? That would have been quite a change yeah. for Mary. So she's coming the daughter, right, of a prominent businessman mm-hmm. and politician, to the life of a middle-class lawyer, so who is often gone on the circuit. (laughs) So she's running the household by herself to the point, you know, she's doing the cooking. She's probably doing a lot of the cleaning, the laundry. Mm -hmm. Uh, We know she's doing the sewing. So no servants around? like She would have had servants. We know that she had usually a housemaid. Okay. But certainly not what she would have experienced growing up. Not what she was used to growing up. Yeah, and she would have literally ran the household because Mm -hmm. Lincoln was gone so much during their married life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. During Abraham Lincoln's presidential run and and during the presidency, what what was her life like during that? How did she react to being the first lady? And how did she hold it? Was she able to shoulder the responsibilities and all that? It was, of course... A lot of responsibility for Mm -hmm. anyone who's held that position, but no one's held it in a period like Abraham and Mary have. Mm -hmm. So she comes in. She's not well accepted in Washington society when she gets there. Of course, part of this is politics. Uh, Washington society is dominated by slaveholding women. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're not happy to see the Lincolns coming. Even those who would have been their political friends didn't know what to expect of Mary Lincoln. Uh, Her husband has campaign is the rail splitter, born in a log cabin. <laughs> they expect Mary to be of sort of a similar background. And, of course, it wasn't. And Mary's offended by this, yes. uh, the fact that she's sort of considered as a Western rustic. Mm-hmm. Uh, when she was, you know, better educated, spoke fluent French with a Parisian accent, you know, things that women in Washington couldn't do yeah. themselves. Um, so they had misconceptions about her. They did. In. And Mary was not someone to hide when she was offended. <laughs> Very <laughs> She let people know, yeah. which is not always the best trait uh, in a first lady. Yeah. She decides to redecorate the White House almost immediately after she moves in. Okay. Uh, Congress had given her $20,000 for this. That's supposed, a good chunk yeah. of change back then. <laughs> supposed to last her four years. She goes through it in six months. Oh, She's criticized goodness. for this. Yeah. But, of course, she has much larger problems. The mm-hmm. Civil War begins immediately when they move in. Mary is part of a big family. 
she sees over half of her siblings side with the Confederacy, yeah. openly so. Yeah. Uh, Mary will have four brothers who fight during the war. Okay. All four of them fight for the South. In fact, two of them were killed fighting for the Confederacy. Okay. So Mary knew what Abraham Lincoln was talking about when he mm-hmm. talked about a house divided. Yes. She saw it in her own house. Yeah. What was the the White House like um, during Mary Todd Lincoln's time there? Hectic, busy, uh, surrounded by soldiers. Uh, <laughs> you could simply walk through the front door. Famously, it didn't lock. Lincoln reportedly found strangers twice in his own dressing room. Oh, goodness. Uh, and Mary, in many ways, was kind of shut out. Mm-hmm. She was used to having influence on Lincoln, was used to sort of expressing her opinions. And when she moves to Washington, this she's severely criticized for the fact that she often gives her thoughts on what she wants yeah, uh, Lincoln to do. that was essentially unheard of back then yeah, for women to have was. an opinion, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And so even Lincoln's own secretaries call her the hell cat. Oh, um, and then tragedy strikes about a year into the first term, both of her youngest sons, Willie and Ted, get typhoid, probably contracted from the soldiers who were camped were coming, in Washington. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Tad, he survives, but Willie doesn't. Mm-hmm. Willie dies in February of 1862. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's 11. Uh, Mary and Abraham are devastated by this. Uh, Mary takes to her bedroom for about a month. And according to one story, never goes back into the room where Willie had died. Uh, so she suffers a huge blow fairly early on. Okay. Uh, so she not only loses uh, two of her brothers, she loses her, her son. son. Yeah. That's um, a lot of tragedy to deal mm-hmm. with during a time of turbulence for Mary Todd Lincoln. Was she really crazy? Like, <laughs> a, a lot That's of a question rumors. we get all the time. You know, was Mary Lincoln crazy? Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, those turbulent years in the White House end with the death of her husband. You know, she's sitting right beside Lincoln. They're holding hands mm-hmm. when he shot through the back of the head. His yeah. blood literally splatters on her. Uh, She goes to live 17 years Mm -hmm. after Lincoln's assassination. Mm -hmm. Uh, In 1871, she loses her son, Tad, shortly after his 18th birthday. Mm -hmm. He catches a cold. It develops into pleurisy and pneumonia. Uh, And so it's just Mary Lincoln and her eldest son, Robert. In 1875, Robert begins legal proceedings to have Mary declared insane. Okay. Uh, She's unaware that this is going on. Uh, She gets an hour's notice before she has to appear at court, and there she is declared insane by a jury. Uh, the next morning, she's taken off to an insane asylum outside of Chicago, and she'll be kept there for four months against her will. Wow. And um, her son did this. And her son did it. Mm-hmm. It is still one of the most hotly debated topics mm-hmm. in Lincoln history, Mary's sanity. mental health. Yeah. <laughs> and the only honest answer is we don't know the state of Mary's mental health yeah. in 1875. There are lots and lots of theories out there. Yeah. Um, some historians say, oh, well, she's bipolar. Some historians say uh, that she was on heavy medication. Mm-hmm. Some historians say Robert was an evil man, right? Mm-hmm. He wanted his mom's money. Yeah. Um, the newest theory is that Mary suffered from pernicious anemia, which is a rather obscure disease. Wow. Um, interestingly enough, about three years ago, 
there is an episode of the show Downton Abbey mm -hmm. dedicated to pernicious anemia. Someone gets it on that show. And then a year <laughs> later, Mary Lincoln has pernicious anemia. Yeah. It goes to show you it's a parlor game. Yeah. Uh, we will never really know. We know a few things. Mm -hmm. We know Mary's having hallucinations. Okay. So there is some evidence of her of her mental health. Right. It's not Mary says she's having them. Yeah. Um, you know, she writes that mm -hmm. uh, this is the case. Uh, she attributes it to the medication she'd been given. Mm -hmm. We know, though, that she has enough clarity that she starts a letter-writing campaign, mm -hmm. especially to the first female lawyer in Illinois, her friend Myra Bradwell. Mm -hmm. And so she gets permission to go leave the insane asylum, go visit her sister Elizabeth in Springfield. And while she's with Elizabeth, she gathers her own lawyers together. She goes back to court and she has herself declared competent. Okay. And so this all takes place in about a 12-month span. And then she'll go. She leaves the country. She goes and lives in France by herself for the next five years. Yeah, that's incredible. And you said that Mary's family, you know, sided with the Confederates. Um, mm -hmm. And most famously, her sister Emily yeah. Helm and her husband. What was it like for them? Because at, at a time, they did live with them in the White House. Uh, right. So, so what, Emily... What Emily Todd Helm like. uh, was Mary's younger sister mm -hmm. and quite younger, 18 years younger. And in the 1850s, Emily actually lives with the Lincolns in Springfield mm -hmm. before her marriage. And like uh, her older sister, she doesn't meet a man there. <laughs> she already has her eye <laughs> on the governor's son mm -hmm. of Kentucky. His yeah. name was Ben Hardin Helm. Okay. Uh, they're married in the 1850s. Lincoln really liked Ben. When the war broke out, he actually offered Ben a commission okay. in the Union Army. But Ben declines. His sympathies are with the South. He joins the Confederate Army, becomes a general there, and he's killed in 1863. Okay. So Emily's widowed. She's about 25. Mm -hmm. She had followed her husband's army south. She's in Atlanta when Ben's killed. And she wants to return back to Kentucky to be with the Todds. But Kentucky's a Union state. Yeah. For Emily to stay here, she has to take an oath of allegiance to the Union. To the Union. And that's a problem for Emily. Mm -hmm. uh, she doesn't want to do it. Uh, mm -hmm. The soldiers, of course, know she's Lincoln's sister-in-law. They telegraph the White House, and Lincoln responds with one sentence, send Emily to me. Yeah. Uh, so Emily goes to the White House in December of 1863. Uh, the Lincolns are happy to see her. They had always been close to Emily, but they are the only people in oh, Washington happy to see, happy to see Emily. <laughs> oh. She is a political problem, to say the least. Yeah. And it shows you just how closely divided the nation was. Yes. So it's the Lincoln White House. It's the depths of the Civil War, and you have a Confederate general's widow living there. Mm -hmm. Unusual times. Very unusual. Yeah. Very unusual. So what happened after the Civil War was over? With Emily? With, with Emily. Emily, um, she outlives everybody. Mm -hmm. um, she's 100 or so when she dies. She dies in 1930. And so she has a huge impact on the way we remember mm -hmm. not only the Civil War in the United States, but also the Lincolns. In mm -hmm. fact, her daughter, Kate Helm, will write the first biography of Mary Lincoln. So a lot of the things we know about the Lincolns' private lives come from uh, Emily. From Emily. Yeah, that's and in fact, there was... A woman at the museum, a long-term board member named Mary Genevieve, who knew Emily. She was 16 when Emily died. In fact, she was at Emily's funeral. And she was at the museum until 2000. Mm -hmm. So you could go there and <laughs> meet someone who knew 
Mary Lincoln's sister. That's incredible. Uh, it really shows how close we are to that history. Yeah. It may seem forever ago, but really it's, it's not. not. Yeah, yeah, it's not too too long ago. So what would you consider one of the biggest misconceptions about Mary Lincoln? I think probably the insanity one. Mm-hmm. The assumption is always, you know, she was just crazy. Yeah. Like it's a done and done fact. But in reality, it's way more complicated than that. We really don't know mm-hmm. much at all about what's going on in 1875 and what persuades her son, you know, to go with such drastic actions yeah. as to, you know, actually put her on trial. Yeah. So that's probably one of the biggest ones. I think the other one uh, has to do with her body. Okay. Uh, she's often perceived as being fat. And it's always, uh, in fact, there's a whole Geico commercial about it. And we have one of her bodices uh-huh. at the Mary Todd Lincoln house. She was tiny. She yeah. was so small. It's all those layers of clothes. It's all those layers of clothing. <laughs> and so there's a whole lot of conversation that revolves around Mary Lincoln and her body yeah. that I think is closely tied to greater perceptions of her as a shrew, right, as mm-hmm. someone that Abraham Lincoln had to suffer through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's a lot of interesting gendered conversations yeah. that go on with the way that we remember Mary Lincoln. Wow. What role did Lexington play in Mary Lincoln's life? Lexington plays a big role. Mm-hmm. It connects her to a lot of important people. Mm-hmm. Of course, when Mary's growing up here, Lexington is the Athens of the West. Yeah. Lots of educational opportunities. This is true in the Todd family. Mary grows up with several cousins who are sent here in mm-hmm. order to go to school in Lexington. Uh, and of course, Mary's family takes advantage of that too. She is well-educated. She attends Ward Academy right downtown. Mm-hmm. And then as a teenager, she goes to Mantell's which was a school across from the Henry Clay estate. Okay. Of course, the leader of the Whig Party, one of the two national political parties, lives here, Henry Clay. Yes. Uh, Mary would have known her from the time she was a little girl. Mm-hmm. In fact, when they visit here in 1847, Mary and Abraham, Lincoln almost certainly would have been able to hear Henry Clay's famous market speech yeah. during his visit. So Lexington allows Mary these connections this education that Abraham Lincoln really couldn't access yeah. when he was younger. So as a curator for the Mary Todd Lincoln House, what's your favorite artifact? <laughs> we have some great artifacts, but of course I'm biased. Yes. Um, we have a wonderful portrait of Mary Lincoln painted in 1864 from life, which is you know a hidden treasure. Mm. We have her hot chocolate pot. Uh, which she bought from Tiffany's in 1870. So she may have been in mourning, but she still did her shopping. Uh, <laughs> so she's shopping therapy, retail yeah, therapy. Exactly. Yeah. Mary Lincoln <laughs> believed in that. But to be honest, and this is something I don't tell everyone, mm-hmm. to be honest, my favorite artifact, it's never on display. We have a pair of her bloomers. We have Mary Lincoln's <laughs> underwear. And that is when you know you've made it, is when your underwear is kept in archival oh, storage. Wow. <laughs> At a museum. <laughs> okay. I'm sure she would be absolutely appalled to know. Oh, yes. Uh, that someone <laughs> that has saved a pair of her are... underwear for posterity's sake. Oh, my goodness. How, how how would the Todds have felt about their home becoming a disorderly house? <laughs> yes, very famously. Sometime in the mid-1870s. The home where Mary had grown up, which is now the museum, mm-hmm. becomes a brothel. It's ran by Madam Jenny Hill, mm-hmm. and 
Christmas Eve, as the story goes, of 1879, a young Belle Breezing begins her career there. We don't know what the Todds thought. There would have been Todds around who would have seen it happening. Emily, of course, was still here. And Mary probably would have known it. Mary Mm -hmm. does uh, return to central Kentucky in the mid-1870. So if she decided to go check out her old home place, she would have been rather shocked uh, (laughs) to find Jenny Hill and Belle Breezing there instead. It's a great example of how history can just layer and layer and layer upon itself, right? Here you have this very famous first lady who grows up there and then later a very famous madam uh, who starts her career in the same house. Lexington does have a very colorful history. It does. does. (laughs) Can you tell us a little bit more about the events that are going on at the Mary Todd Lincoln House? Sure. Mm -hmm. It's as the bicentennial year progresses, it's a busy one for us. So we have all kinds of things. Basically, every month we have a special event Mm -hmm. that's coming up. Um, So in April, for example, we have our death morning and Ms. Lincoln tour. in a commemoration of Lincoln's assassination, where we look at the tragedies, Mary's responses to them Mm -hmm. in depth. In May, we have a flower working, a flower bouquet building workshop. Mary loved flowers, often wore them in her hair and on her dresses. In October, we have our house divided cemetery tour, Mm -hmm. where we take guests through the cemetery and we talk about the deep, divisive nature of the Civil War in Lexington and how it even plays out with those folks now buried in the cemetery. Mm -hmm. Our big event for the Bicentennial will be on November 2nd, the Mary Lincoln Bicentennial Symposium. And that's in conjunction with the University of Kentucky. And it will be a day-long event. We're bringing in scholars from around the nation, the leading Mary Lincoln historians, to give them a day really to talk to each other and to talk to the public about mm-hmm. Mary Lincoln in the context of our own time. So they're yeah. going to look at things like race. Mm-hmm. They're going to look at things like gender, social class. Yeah. And we're excited about what new avenues, what new conversations can come out of that symposium. And that will be free. It'll be day-long held at the University of Kentucky once again on November the 2nd. That sounds very interesting, very interesting. Is there anything else you wanted to share with us about Mary Todd? Oh, well, come down to the museum. And, uh, <laughs> for a very modest admission price, you'll get to go through the house and hear some more details about America's most fascinating first lady. Yeah, she did have a very interesting life. Uh, the Mary Todd Lincoln House is incredible. It is, it's, a, it's a fun time Thanks. to take the family to and, and learn a lot about Lexington and Mary Todd Lincoln and Abraham Lincoln as well. But um, she was a fascinating that. lady. She was. Thank you so much for your time, Dr. Coleman. Oh, thanks for having we me. We appreciate having you here. Thanks for listening to Tales from the Kentucky Room, a podcast brought to you by the Central Library's Kentucky Room staff at the Lexington Public Library. If you enjoyed listening, please take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. If you have any questions about local history or genealogy research, you can visit us in the Kentucky Room to use our collection and newspaper microfilm, or you can email us at elibrarian at lexpublib.org. That's elibrarian at lexpublib.org. I'm Miriam, and we'll be back with another trip down Lexington's memory lane.